Welcome to Holistically Hope with Rachel Pontillo. I'm Rachel Pontillo, and today on the show, we are going to have Girl Talk. My guest today is hormone expert Bridget Danner, and we are going to get super clear on something that is super important for women, and that is our periods, what we should expect, what an ideal period should look like, and what to do if that's not actually going on for you, how to fix that. Bridget Danner is an experienced practitioner of Chinese medicine, as well as a functional diagnostic nutritionist, and she runs an online women's health community called Women's Wellness Collaborative. Through this community, she interviews experts in women's health through blogs, videos, podcasts, and online summits, including her upcoming summit, Hormones, a women's wellness summit, of which I am really honored to be a part. So join us now and let's have our girl talk. Hey, Bridget, thanks so much for coming to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Rachel, I'm really happy to be here and get to know your community a little better. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about a subject that... I'm really excited to learn more about, and that is our cycles. The menstrual cycle is a huge part of our lives. A lot of us have to plan around it. And a lot of the discomforts that I see in my practice from women who come to me with skin issues are cycle related. And I think that even though it's such an integral part of our lives, there's so much mystery still. There's so much we don't actually know. So I'm really excited that you're gonna shed some light on that for us today. Yeah, you know, as as young girls, I'm thinking back to when I first got my period, you know, my mom told me very little, you know, here's some pads and that was like basically it, you know, in, in my day we had a tiny bit of sex ed, I don't think most schools have that now, but it wasn't really like, hey girls, let's learn about your cycle. So, like, when do we learn this stuff? You know, we don't learn in college, right? <laughs> it's so true. I think I had a female gym teacher who gave us the talk, and then our school had, like, one of those little, you know, girls' goodie bag packs with maxi pads in there, and maybe we had a movie, but it wasn't about anything <laughs> specific. It was just about, this is what's going to happen to you, and okay. I mean, yeah, there's still like some shame and hiding around the cycle. And yeah. I know you're raising what two girls mm-hmm. and you're trying to, I'm sure, do things differently, which is great. So hopefully we're creating like some new consciousness around the cycle. And I think it starts with us adult women learning about our own cycles so that we can teach it on. Yeah, I think that is where it has to start for sure, because, you know, when we are mothers, especially we can only teach what we know. And I know a lot of moms these days feel like they have to take to Google for just about everything if their kids have questions because things were really different when we were growing up, even though we didn't always get the most accurate information. I think in a lot of ways we did get more information than kids today might get because of some of the political correctness issues that are facing schools these days with what they can and can't talk about. So uh, we really do have to be more informed as parents. I think where I would love to start is by asking you, what, what should a monthly cycle look like? What does a healthy period actually look like? What, what does a, a healthy period look like? But all throughout the month, because we think of our cycle and we only think of those days when we have our periods, but it is in fact a monthly cycle that repeats. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to really start with the basics and I'm going to start with day 1, which some people don't even know which day is day 1. Day 1 is the first day you have 
bleeding of significance, I would say. So if you have a little spotting or maybe a lot of spotting that goes on for five days where it's just a little brown stuff, it's still not day one. Day one is the day you see some flow. Uh, so that, I'll, I'm going to go with ideal for, for the first month, and then we can go back through and say what might happen. So what should happen on day one is you have a nice, fresh, red blood without clots and really without pain. You know, you may feel you're having your period, but um, it should really not have pain. Um, some mood things you may have this time of the month is you may feel more introspective. You might not feel like socializing. You know, it's a good time to journal. Uh, you may not want to exercise as hard. Uh, you might just not be in the mood. So it is a bit of a, like a turning in point. Um, and our body is naturally detoxifying. Like one benefit of having our period is we flush out toxins really with that blood that we're getting getting rid of. Um, let's see what else. And then our hormones should be at their lowest point, really. There's a dropping of hormones. So next kind of significant day is day three. So I'm mentioning this because it's a day that we often test when we're testing hormones. Uh, and what should be happening here is after that drop of hormones, there's a signal to the brain Okay, things have dropped. It's time to get the party started again. So one hormone that we test on day three is called follicle-stimulating hormone. That's a hormone from the brain to the ovaries telling them, let's get back to work. It's time to make more eggs. Time to build that lining again. And that follicle-stimulating hormone usually should be like around 10 or a little under 10. Uh, and then another time, I don't know this exact peak day, but maybe around day 10 or 12, your testosterone is peaking. Um, you might feel really good around now. You might feel very attractive. Testosterone makes us feel attractive. It makes us feel social. We feel more sexual. Also, our estrogen is coming up uh, as we build that lining. And so this stage, usually the mood is good. So it's a good time to plan can't always plan these things. So it's a good time to plan, you know, a speaking engagement or something that's like very outward. Uh, then another significant time is uh, day 14 around the mid-cycle. So estrogen's coming up uh, and that's letting the body know, okay, it's almost time to ovulate. So then there's another hormone that's let out called luteinizing hormone that basically releases the most ripe egg and lets the others kind of... Um, basically die off. So there's a little bit of competition for the best egg and the best egg wins and that's chosen and the rest die off and that's a signal for ovulation to happen. So when you test, when you're trying to get pregnant and you, you take that P-test, that's the test, that's the hormone you're testing is this luteinizing hormone. And then you're going to ovulate soon after. Just as a side note, usually ovulate in the early morning and our testosterone is also high in the morning. So it's a good time to have sex, especially if you're trying to get pregnant, but anytime it's a good time. And then day 14 to 28 should be pretty even. Um, progesterone should be high. That's a hormone that's mostly released by the, um, how can we say, that what's remaining of the egg that left the ovary. That's producing hormone called progesterone. And that should be high. Estrogen's kind of just hanging out in there. And the body's preparing for a potential pregnancy by solidifying the uterine lining. The temperature of our bodies are a little higher. Um, and then on day like 29, we bleed again. So that is base if we don't, if we're not pregnant. So that's the basic like cycle, how it should look. As you said, sometimes we can kind of plan by this, but 
sometimes we can't. Are there any specific signals physically that we might experience that we can use to anticipate what might be going on at these different times of the cycle? Yeah, that's a good question. Especially if, say, your cycle is kind of irregular and you're trying to get to know it better. Maybe you're coming off birth control. It You might not be very familiar with these little clues. Um, so, like I said, I think you can usually know that ovulation is coming by you're feeling more sexual. Uh, unless your hormones are really tanked. And you know, if they're really tanked, you might not feel that sexual. Uh, or if you're not ovulating. But generally speaking, you'll feel more sexual. You'll also have more cervical fluid. So you can um, kind of notice that it's just more like a watery fluid or egg what do they call it, like mucousy kind of egg white fluid closer to ovulation time. Um, and then things will really dry up after that. They're supposed to dry up to kind of hold everything in. And so when we open up for ovulation and to accept sperm, um, it's sort of, it's not the best environment because it can like let in bacteria and that kind of thing. So once we pass ovulation, we dry back up, so to speak. Um, so some of those changes in like moisture levels you can notice, and then again, changes in like your mood or your hormones. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, PMS isn't really like a normal thing, but it is a common Which is crazy thing. because <laughs> so many people have it and have to actually plan around that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you can know if your period's coming, if you have PMS and you're feeling, okay, like I'm feeling more irritable, I'm like, am I bloated, my boobs are sore. But those things can also really be corrected as you move more into balance. Interesting. If our audience is listening and is thinking, all right, well, what you just described, that's not what happens to me. Or, you know, okay, well, I... PMS really is significant for me because I have physical symptoms. I have cramping. I have mood swings. I have breast tenderness. Oh, yeah. We can talk about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's take it from the top. I mean, there's so much that can go wrong. I mean, that's that's not the funnest part about being a woman. Is there's so much that can go wrong with her. So I'm going to take it from the top again. So day one, we're bleeding. Let's say we have a lot of clots in our blood. Also not normal. Usually this means there's estrogen dominance relative to progesterone. So in the beginning of our cycle, our, our lining is growing. And in the second half, it's supposed to kind of ripen or harden. So when you see a clot, it's usually because there was more growing again. Uh, it was So it's like, a, yeah, you can kind of picture instead of instead of something forming like, oh, I don't know if you're like, baking a cake or something, it should harden at the end, right? But if it's like another bubble of cake that comes out, that's kind of like <laughs> Yeah. So that's one thing that could go wrong. You could have a very painful cycle. Um, that could go on. You could have a migraine headache, a headache. Um, so a couple things to do about this stage. So if you're having estrogen dominance, Usually we need to kind of increase progesterone and some things that can help with that are magnesium. It's hard to get enough in our diet, so I do like magnesium supplementation. Um, let's see, avoiding things like processed grains, mm. sugar, caffeine, alcohol, all these depleters will take away your magnesium and your B vitamins that you need for making hormones. Um, as far as pain, I really find magnesium is like the number one 
friend. Uh, number two is fish oil or some kind of omega-3 oil. And number three is water. Usually those three things will help you have a pain-free cycle unless you have you know, endometriosis or maybe something unusual. But for most everyday kind of cramps, and I say everyday, but they could be painful, yeah. um, th those are the things that help. Um, so though, let's see. And migraine headaches, yeah, even at your cycle, that could be related to some food sensitivities. Mm. Just when that, when the cycle is at that big changing point and there's a lot of stress on your liver and detox systems, could still be related to food sensitivities. Um, so that's one thing to look at. Uh, any questions so far, Rachel? Um, I was going to say, I know that you hear a lot about younger teenage girls who have extremely painful periods to the point where they have to stay home from school. Is that something that changes with age or is that something that can always be worked out with diet? That's a really good question. So it is, there is a little bit of difference with teenage girls and that they are, their body is just learning to have their period. Uh, and things are a little more volatile, just like with their emotions. Like, <laughs> things are just <laughs> more up and down. I remember when I first had my period, then I, like, didn't have it again for six months or something. Um, so it, it is sort of, like, a little more normal for things to be extreme when you're a teenager. However, I think we can still use some of these same tools, the magnesium, the fish oil, the water, getting your B vitamins to do our best to help temper that for younger girls. Now, I had a question about magnesium because that's a supplement that I see recommended for a lot of things. And for skin conditions, oftentimes people who do have active skin conditions have a magnesium deficiency. But I've been running into questions about what form of magnesium is recommended and should it be taken orally or do you recommend it transdermally? Uh, one that I take orally is like a blend of three types of magnesium. Um, I think the magnesium citrate is pretty well absorbed. It can cause potentially like bowel, you know, I don't know that to say. It can help move the bowels, which mm -hmm. for some people is good, mm -hmm. but for some people it may not be good. Um, so the one I have is a blend with... I'll have to look up if a few different ones because I think we never know exactly which ones we're going to absorb the best. Mm -hmm. um, you know, generally I would say, like, don't buy one from, like, Walgreens or Costco because it's probably the cheapest, least able to absorb <laughs> magnesium <laughs> that you can get. As far as oral versus transdermal, I think there's a bit of a preference. I like to have a few things around the house. So I have some just in pills because I'm – decent about taking pills. I usually take my magnesium before bed. Um, I have it also in a powder to mix with water, and a lot of people like that. It, it seems to absorb faster and better, so if you're having cramps, you're having a headache, you're feeling really anxious, it can help conk you down, so to speak. Um, the transdermal, I think, works well. To me, it, it makes me feel very itchy. Oh, interesting. I don't love it. Yeah. I have heard that, and it, it could be because of the magnesium itself. Maybe it's the wrong form for that person. But it also could be something else, another ingredient in that formulation. It could be. Yeah, I've had better luck. Like if I put it in my bathtub, hmm. then when it's spread out like that, oh, it, it doesn't make me itchy. Um, so, yeah, there's there's lots of different forms I think that people can experiment. I would just like go to your natural grocery or, you know, ask your practitioner like yourself. Like, yeah, I, I just really would say avoid 
you know, avoid the cheapy stuff. I mean, I think that's the general consensus about supplements, especially lately with so much research having come out about synthetics and GMOs and bioavailability. I think you really do get what you pay for and convenience doesn't always mean better, especially when it's something that is a micronutrient, which depends on absorption. Otherwise, there's really no point. Yeah, and this is why some people say the powders are better or maybe the liquid because if you take a pill, uh, well, especially a tablet, it's going to have binders. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, even like at My Natural Groceries, they're pretty smart there. Like they'll help you pick out a good one. Yeah, I found that there's, uh, depending on where you shop, but if it's a smaller local place or if it's something like a Whole Foods, you typically can find somebody who is quite knowledgeable. So that's, that's, uh, it's good. But yeah, they're quality really just has to be emphasized. Otherwise, there really isn't much point. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's really helpful. Um, So let's move on to talk about skin issues during the cycle, because that is something that I hear a lot from my clients and my audience. I get emails a lot about cystic acne. I know that specifically uh, during that time of month, well, a lot of women get acne along the mouth area and um, certain types of acne and certain other skin conditions like rosacea or melasma can also be hormone related and, and cycle related. What can you say about that? Yeah, so, so those are some good questions. Um, so usually when it's around the mouth and chin, you know, this is like where men have a beard, right? And there's more testosterone receptors there. So usually there's like a... Um, What's the type of testosterone? I always just call it the angry type. <laughs> There's a more inflammatory type of testosterone that can come up. I think it's as alpha testosterone. And that will kind of stimulate these, these. So if you do get a lot of acne around here, there's probably a testosterone component. And that's why you see it with PCOS because there's usually that angry testosterone is playing a part in that picture. So as far as that, you know, detoxing is important and maybe especially if you notice like it's around your cycle, um, you know, there's kind of gentle things you can do to detox, you can dry brush your skin, you can drink lots of water. I remember there was a point where I had a membership to this like super awesome like sauna spa and like my skin was so great from all the detoxing I was doing. Um, There's other things you can do like you know, green drinks and milk thistle to kind of gently move the liver. Uh, Also, the gut is important to consider because it's not just the liver. It has to go out through the digestive system. So Mm -hmm. how's your bacterial balance in your gut? You know, are you moving your stools or are you constipated? Do you have loose stools because your gut is inflamed? Mm. So, you know, is your gut on your side, so to speak, is is a good thing to look into. Um, As far as acne in general, like I can tell you for me, you know, I'm pretty prone to like oil and that kind of thing on my skin. Um, I I really think that keeping your blood sugar even and keeping your carbohydrate load down is important. So I can kind of share my my way that I do that. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I avoid carbs in the morning, generally always, you know, maybe on the weekend I, I don't, but we naturally have higher cortisol and higher blood sugar in the morning and we really don't need like an orange juice and a muffin or even like, you know, oatmeal, still pretty high carb. We really don't need that in the morning. 
And then at lunch, I'm either like low carb or no carb. Sometimes I have carb, but definitely not like carbo loading at lunch. And then at dinner, you can have more carbs because it helps you sleep, um, you know, not super late at night, but that's kind of, I don't know if you've ever heard of this theory of carb night. <laughs> It's like, no, it's, there's this book or this program called Carb Night. And it really made sense to me when he explained it that like when our cortisol is up in the day and our blood sugar is high, if we add sugars to that and try to raise our insulin, like the body doesn't have anything to do with it except kind of store it as fat or make fatty deposits in the liver or kind of in, inflame and acidify the bloodstream. So kind of like thinking about having your carbs more at night and then always like whole whole food carbs over, you know, processed sure, stuff sure. and sugar. I think that's made a big difference for me and my skin. Um, and then I do like you promote, Rachel, like just gentle washing. I'm a, I have a, one of those Clarisonic brushes. I don't know if you do those, but for me, like I think it, it helps a lot just keeping your pores open. Yeah. I mean, cleansing, proper cleansing and hygiene is always really important. And whether you use something like a Clarisonic or another type of cleansing device or just a washcloth or your hands, it really depends on different skin types. Um, but absolutely having a regular hygiene remedy during those stages, especially because I know sometimes if you're not feeling great, Sometimes you slack on the skincare regimen and you just go to bed. So I think that's important always to bring up. When it comes to acne during the cycle, is there any point during the cycle where it's more prone to show up? Well, you know, I, I think probably just ovulation and the period. It's probably different for different people um, because there's different kind of spikes at different times, like you said, you have pain in the middle of your cycle, and some people that's like a more of a tumultuous time. Maybe when that that testosterone peaks, for some women, they don't metabolize that testosterone well, and it becomes the angry testosterone, and it shows up more in your face. And then maybe for some other women, um, just that high hormone load at the end of our cycle uh, that then drops is just a, a stressor on the body and the liver. So I think it could kind of come at mostly at either of those two times. Interesting. Interesting. All right. I mean, this has been super helpful and really informative for me personally. I always love when I learn from my guests. So thank you so much. Sure. Um, but I'm sure that people listening want to know where to get more information from you. I know you've got a lot going on and a lot coming up. So can you kind of Give us an idea of what you're offering now and where people can find you. Yeah, so the biggest thing I'm offering now is something you know about, which is a hormone <laughs> summit, and you're going to be a guest on there talking yeah. about skin. Yeah, so we have uh, actually 35 lectures and some bonus lectures. Wow, that's all awesome. Free. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of information. You don't have to hear it all, but at least you have access once you sign up uh, for free, and then, yeah, we can get to know each other better, and there's lots of information on on life stages and the cycle, you know, we get into like, what if my period is, is missing or is irregular? Or what if I have very severe PMS? And then we talk about solutions like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and food and lifestyle, essential oils. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And you'll share uh, the link for that in the yes, show notes. Yes, absolutely. On the blog post that uh, 
comes along with this. I'll have all that information there so people can just click right over. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, like there's so much playing into our skin health, right? And the more informed we are, the better. Absolutely. Well, is there anything, any other, any final words that you wanted to add before we sign off? Uh, yeah, I'll give like a couple, few more tips about cycle, just in case we missed a couple people. Um, so people might be thinking, well, what if I'm not ovulating or what if I'm not cycling? A couple factors to consider or look at are do you have too low body weight? Are you exercising too hard? Or could you possibly have PCOS? So mm. PCOS sometimes comes with acne, weight gain, but not for every woman. So if you find that you're really irregular or you're having trouble getting pregnant, I think it's something to look into. We have two talks about it on the summit, so okay. you'll get that covered. Um, and then maybe we should talk just a little bit about the stress hormone connection mm. because <laughs> it happened. <laughs> yeah. So the more demanding uh, our stress life is, so to speak, the more is going on in our life that we're trying to handle, the more we're in like alarm state, the less we're making sex hormones. So that could be another reason why we're not ovulating, why we're not getting pregnant. Uh, it can even be just why, you know, we feel like we feel like we're kind of coming to menopause too early could be another complaint, um, you know, kind of just a lack of vitality and a, a lack of, you know, hormone oomph. Um, that's something to look at. And sometimes our stress reasons aren't as obvious, like, you know, we have some digestive stress that we can't figure out or we haven't figured out. And then sometimes they're obvious, but they're hard ones to pull the trigger on, like, you know, being unhappy at work or, you know, needing to have a conversation that you're not having. Uh, but these things can be really freeing once we address them and then we kind of get back to juicing up our hormones as women. That's so important that you mentioned that because, I mean, when we're under stress, it really seems that nothing in our body works optimally. And when one system is down, it pulls on every other system to try to compensate and restore balance. So we really have effects in so many different areas when stress is such a big issue. Yeah, and one thing I'm kind of talking about lately is like it's important to keep digging. Like people who listen to you probably are trying. Um, I'm trying too, but I, I just found out we have mold in our house. You know, I that's not something you think about, and yeah. it can really be a stressor. So if it's you're a feeling huge physical like, stressor, yeah, yeah. So just keep looking. If you're not feeling the way that you want to feel, um, you know, work with a practitioner, do your research, and figure out you know what is holding you back. And there are tests that you can have done to kind of figure out what's going on if your cycle is not ideal, right? Yeah, and usually you have to do them with a practitioner mm -hmm. because when you get the results, they're not going to make a lot of sense. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> you want, you'd want to know else. what to do with that information once you <laughs> yeah, get it. Yeah, but a functional type practitioner will do a saliva test or a urine test, and there's some things we can see with a blood test. So just depends, you know, where you've gone so far and where you want to go. Like you can start with your OB-GYN, especially if they're more open-minded and kind of willing to look at other ways to treat besides giving you birth control pill. Um, you know, that could be a place to start if it's covered with your insurance. But if you've done that and you're not, nothing's cooking there for you, then maybe it's time to move on to a functional medicine practitioner and just see in black and white, like, what are my hormones really doing? It, it's interesting. It is really interesting. And it, it, it really gets me how we really do have so much more information available to us but we 
typically do have to go outside of the norm when it comes to the healthcare system and, and uh, how we can access this information about our own health. Yeah, you know, and it can be expensive and people will say, oh, well, you know, we already, you're already healthy, Rachel. Why do you need to do more right. tests or whatever? And don't listen to that stuff. You know, most people are so unhealthy. So you got to listen to your body. If something isn't right, you're going to spend some money on labs or whatever. Like, who cares? I think and it can we- save you so much aggravation in the long run. And having that type of knowledge and being able to take action then to prevent other things from happening or to just feel better and have a higher quality of life. It's just so worth it. Yeah, you can prevent a lot of things down the road and really just prevent, you know, years and years of feeling like not your best and not living your the life of your dreams. Yeah, it, it really is remarkable. I know that when I first made changes in my lifestyle and my diet and saw how significantly better I felt on a daily basis. I was like, oh my God, I, you know, I didn't know about this for so many years and I spent so much time feeling terrible and tired and lethargic and just bleh. And when I saw the alternative that, wow, you really can have energy and just not have physical symptoms on a regular basis, it's actually possible and it doesn't require anything drastic, really. I mean, just small changes can make such a big deal for people. Yeah. And a lot of that is not information I would have had had I not, you know, actively sought it and made changes based on the information that I got. Yeah, just like we don't teach about the cycle, you know, we don't really teach about best diet anywhere yeah. either. And most people are it's pretty sad. They're kind of like half asleep in their lives with like poor nutrition and low energy and carrying around a lot of extra weight and it you know it doesn't have to be that way so good thing we have resources like you to put up and you and your wonderful (laughs) summit that I'm so happy to be part of and I can't wait to share it with everyone yeah well thank you so much Rachel really appreciate it it was great to have you on the show and I look forward to staying in touch sounds good I want to give another huge thank you to Bridget Danner for joining us today and thank you for watching and listening and make sure you head on over to BridgetDanner.com. Bridget's got a fantastic free quiz for you called Hidden Hormone Stressors where you can get more information and also make sure you check out her upcoming summit, Hormones, a Women's Wellness Summit. If you like this interview, make sure you head on over to the blog at holisticallyhope.com, leave a comment, subscribe to my YouTube channel and my iTunes channel, and make sure you share with your friends. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Rachel Pontillo, and I will be back soon.